This is Masechet Megillah, Daftet. We are on Daftet Amud Bet. We are six lines from the bottom of the Amud with the new Mishnah. In Ben Tzvarim, the Tfilinum Zuzot. There's no, no difference between Tzvarim, and here we're talking about Torah, Nevim, and Ketuvim. Uh, there's no difference between them and Tfilin and Mezuzot. Ela Shasfarim, Nechtavim B'cholashon. Except that Tzvarim, books of Tanakh can be written in any language, with Tfilin and Mezuzot in Anechtavot El Ashurit. Tfilin and Mezuzot can only be written in Ashurit, which is the proper Hebrew script. Rabban Shemov and Gamliel Omer, Av B'Svarim, even with regard to Tzvarim, Lo Yitro Yishi Katevu El Yevanit. They only allowed Sifrei Kodesh to be written in Greek. So that means everyone agrees about Tfilin and Mizuzot that they can't be written in any other language, but about Sfarim, the Tanakhama says that they could be written in any language, and Rabban Shemom Ben Gamliel says only in Greek. That is the Pshat of the Mishnah. The Gemara says, That means with regard to sewing them, that you must sew Tfilin, uh, the, the Tfilin have to be sewn, and uh, the Sifrei Torah and Tanakh have to be sewn with Gidin, with the sinews of animals. And also that they're mitameta yadayim, that tefillin mezuzot, and also for Kodesh, as we've learned before, the rabbis decreed upon them a tum'ah, that they make the hands tameh. This was in order to discourage people from storing sifrei Kodesh together with truma and food that had to be tahor, because it would attract, because the food would attract rodents, and the rodents would damage the sfarim. That's the, so therefore, when we talk about litameta yadayim, we're talking about a gzerah de rabbanan on all sifrei kodesh that applies to tefillin and mezuzot as well. As farim, the chavim chodeshon. So the Gemara is now quoting and commenting on the Mishnah that said, that Sfarim can be written in any language. Or Romina, we learned in a, uh, we learned a contradiction to this because Mikrashi Kitavot Targum, that if a, uh, if Mikra is written as Targum, in other words, if Hebrew text of the Torah is rendered in Aramaic, with Targum Shiktavot Mikra, or you have Aramaic that is rendered in Hebrew, okay, then, uh, or Mikra, and, uh, and Rashi expl- gives examples of this. For instance, Mikra Shiktavot Targum, Sever Shiktavot Shona Kodesh, Roy Lechtobo Mikra, Okay, you took something that was supposed to be written in Hebrew, you wrote it in Aramaic, or there's an Aramaic words in some of the, in the Torah, for example, Yegar Sadutaz, the famous one when Lavan has a conversation with Yaakov, he uses language which is Aramaic. If you translate that into Hebrew, um, and then you're, uh, you're changing the text, you're moving it from one language to the other. Uchtav Ivri. Similarly, the Ivri script. The Ivri script is the script which the Gemara discusses whether it was the original Hebrew script and Ezra changed to Ashurit, or whether we always had Ashurit in the Sifrei Torah, and Ivri, Uchtav Ivri was just a, uh, was the common script of the people that never was actually used for Sifrei Torah. That's a debate in the Gemara. Um, but this, the Samaritans, even today, Continue to use the Kitav Ivri, which was an ancient Hebrew script, and most most inscriptions that we find from the pre-Talmudic times from Israel are written in the Kitav Ivri, this earlier kind of a Hebrew script. And the exact history of it is a debate, but that, that's basically what it is. It's not the writing that we use today in our Sefer Torah. So if you change the language of the text or the form of the writing, it, is, it no longer has the Kiddushah of a Sefer and therefore no longer transmits impurity to the hands. Ad shechtevenu, rather, bechtav ashurit ala Sefer Until you write it in the proper script on a parchment, which is a proper kosher parchment from an animal skin and with the black ink that you're supposed to use for Sfarim. Uh, so that seems to directly contradict the Mishnah, because the Mishnah says that Tzvarim can be written in any language. This one says that you can't do any such thing. So Amar Rava, Rava said, La kashia, no problem. Kan begofen shelanu, kan begofen shelayet. 
One is talking about in our script. One is talking about in their script. In other words, that our Mishnah that said you could write the you could write this farim in any language. It means if you wrote them in Hebrew script, you could use any language. Whereas this Brita here is talking about where you changed the script as well, and that's why it said it was not co- it was not considered a sefer. But our Mishnah is talking about where you wrote it in Hebrew script. Just the language is different, but you transliterated it using. Uh, using Hebrew, proper ketavashurit. The Gemara says, Amalei Abay Abay said, How could you possibly say, How could you possibly say that this Brita is talking about uh, a case where they used a different kind of a script? Why does it mention in this Brita that was quoted about a Hebrew text that was translated to Aramaic or Aramaic text translated to Hebrew? Because if we're talking about a case where they changed the script, then even if you kept the right language, Hebrew to Hebrew, Aramaic and Aramaic, Nami. Because after all, that Brita said that it has to be written in the Ashuri script. It has to be written in the script that is the proper Hebrew letters. So according to our, you're telling me that that's talking about a case where they changed the script. Of course it's not talking about where they changed the script because it's telling you that you have to write it. Uh, it's, it's explicitly saying you have to write it in the correct script. So why would it mention the case where the Hebrew was changed to Targum or the Targum, meaning the Aramaic, was changed to Hebrew? That's not really relevant according to you because that's allowed actually. The only thing that's a problem is that you change the script. So why does it mention at the end you have to write it in the correct script? Right? It, 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 the bright no longer makes any sense. Because um, you're telling me that the whole premise of the Brighton when it talks about switching languages is when it's talking about switching the script, but that would make the whole statement superfluous. It would make it extra because it says at the end you have to write it in Ashurit. You have to write it in um, the proper script altogether. So it can't be talking about what you didn't write in the proper script because the whole point is that even if you did, it wouldn't be good if you changed the language. Right? So the, so the Gemara says, El Alav Rather, it goes like this. That one is the rabbis, one is the rabbis, meaning our Mishnah is the rabbis who said that you can write it in any language, and the this bright is Rabban Shabbat Gamliel who says you can't. But even according to Rabban Shabbat Gamliel, it's not true because you're allowed to put it in Greek. And this bright that says no, it has to be in Hebrew, it can't be in Greek. The difference is that our Mishnah is talking about Sfarim, it's talking about books of Tanakh, and in books of Tanakh, you could use any language, but when it comes to Tfilin and Mizuzot, you can't, and that's why it says that you can't, uh, that, that's the Brita that says that you can't change the language. It's talking about Tfilin and Mezuzot. Tfilin and Mezuzot, Maitama, what's the reasoning of Tfilin and Mezuzot? Because since the Tfilin and Mezuzot have the Shema, and the Shema has the word Vayu, they shall be Bahaviatanyu, which means exactly as they are, meaning Tfilin and Mezuzot have to be an exact replica. You can't translate anything or change anything. Ma, right? So, so that makes sense. But but if that Brita is actually talking about Tfilin and Mezuzot, there's no words in Aramaic and Tfilin and Mezuzot that could be translated to Hebrew. It would make sense if it was talking about the Sefer Torah because you have Aramaic words that were translated to Hebrew. But there's no Targum, there's no translation in a, in a Tfilin or Mezuzah. There's, no, there's nothing Aramaic that could be translated to Hebrew. It's all in Hebrew. So therefore, it can't be that that was talking about Tfilin or Mezuzot. Rather, it goes like this. Megillah is what it's talking about in the Brighton. When it says that it has to be written specifically only in Hebrew and Hebrew script and you can't translate anything, it's talking about the Megillah. But the Mishnah talking about others for Megillah Maitama. What's the reason why by Megillah why you can only be in uh, it's the original language Maitama Dichdivba Kichtava Mechilishonam. That's the pasuk that we have here. That like their writing and their language means it has to be exactly in the language of 
the Jewish people, Rashi said, I'm sorry, the, uh, one of the corrections on the side is that it should say, Kichtavam v'chizmanam, a different pasuk, it has to be according to the writing, uh, the correct writing, and that, that would be the brighter is then talking about Megillah, Mai Targum Shiktavo Mikra, so then what Aramaic do you have in the Megillah that could be changed into a Hebrew word? Pitgam in one pasuk it says, Pitgam Amelech, Pitgam means thing or word, so, uh, so like a davar in Hebrew, you could change it to v'nishma davar melech. That would be wrong. It says all the women should give honor to their husbands, but it uses the word yikar, which is Aramaic for kavod, for honor. So, meaning if you change words in the Megillah from Aramaic to Hebrew, from Hebrew to Aramaic, or you change the script in which it's written, the language in which, which it's written altogether, then it would be uh, not a uh, Megillah kshera, as opposed to the, um, the, the other Sfarim, where you could translate them into another language, and they would still be kasher. That's our Mishnah is talking about those other Sfarim, where it would be legitimate to translate them into other uh, languages. Now, Ravashi Ravashi says, Sfarim. No, that's not talking about Megillah there. It's talking about other books, meaning other Sfarim. can only be written in proper Hebrew. And the rabbis said that you could use Greek. What do you mean the rabbi said you could use Greek? That's not true. Nobody says that because it says for Mizuzan Tfilin always has to be in Hebrew, exact replica of the original. Really, what it should say is not Tfilin and Mizuzan, but Tfarim. Meaning, Sifrei Kodesh of the Tanakh can be written in any language. And our rabbis allowed Greek. What do you mean our rabbis allowed Greek? The first statement is it can be written in any language. So what do you mean? And our rabbis allowed Greek. That implies that the Tanakhama said you can't use Greek, but that's not true. The Tanakhama said you can use any language. And then it says the rabbis allowed Greek. What it means is our rabbis only allowed Greek. Tanakhama says you could write in any language. And then, uh, and then the, uh, uh, and then, uh, Raboteinu, our rabbi is only allowed Greek. Vitania, and it says in the Brighton, that even when it comes to, uh, when the rabbi is allowed Greek, they only allowed Greek for the Sefer Torah, because of Tolmi Amelech, the king told me that, um, it required, demanded of the rabbis that they produce a translation of the uh, of the Torah, and it should say in our Gemara, but it doesn't say Maihi. What is the story? Detanya, as it says, Maase He gathered seventy-two elders together. He put them in seventy-two different chambers. He didn't reveal to them al He didn't tell them why he was bringing them. He told each one of these seventy-two elders to write a translation of the Torah into Greek. And Hashem put in each one's heart to translate exactly the same way. In other words, the things that they changed, they all changed uniformly. They wrote Elohim bara Bereshit. Instead of Bereshit bara Elohim, um, they wrote Elohim bara Bereshit. They changed the order. Now Rashi and Tosafot both more or less say that the concern was that they would, that otherwise the Greek reader would think that Bereshit was the name of God, a, a different God that created our God, right? Asa Adam. Instead of saying let us make man in our image and likeness, they change it to I will make man in a in an image and a likeness. Instead of implying that Hashem has a likeness, or implying 
that Hashem is a plural. Vayichal by Yom Hashishi, Vayishmor by Yom Hashvi'i. In the, the actual Pasuk, it says Hashem, Vayichal Elohim by Yom Hashvi'i, that Hashem finished working on the seventh day, implying that he worked a little bit on Shabbat. So they changed it to say that he finished by Yom Hashishi, Vayishmor by Yom Hashvi'i, that he finished on Friday and he only, and he rested on Friday, on, on Shabbat. Not that he worked partially on Shabbat, like it sounds like from the Pasuk, Vayichal Elohim by Yom Hashvi'i, that he finished on the seventh day. So they changed it to Vayichal by Yom Hashishi. Zachar Nkeva Bira'o. Instead of Zachar Nkeva Bira'am, male and female, he created them, which implies that each of the first two humans was um, androgynous, had both male and female, meaning that they both were male, male and female. They, they made it, oh, created it, meaning to say each one, male and female, in, individually, not that there were two creatures, both of which were both male and female. They took away Bira'am. Instead, um, uh, instead of having the Pasuk, uh, I will go, let us go and mix up the languages. They put, they put in the singular, I will go and do it, not we will go, because they didn't want it to sound like Hashem was plural, coming down to mix up the languages at, uh, I will make, mix up the languages instead of vinavila that we will, because they didn't want it to make it sound like Hashem was more than one in the story of the Tower of Babel. What about the fact that it says that Sarah laughed inside Bikirba. They changed it to Bikrova with her relatives. In other words, otherwise the, a person who's reading would say Hashem is, in, is not just because when Avram laughed, he didn't punish him. When Sarah laughed, he punished her. So, it says, so they changed it to make it sound like Sarah's crime was worse because she actually laughed at it with other people around, not just in her heart. Instead of writing in their anger, Shimon and Levi killed a person, Haraguish, and in their, out of their desire, they uprooted an animal. He changed it to, in their anger, they killed an animal, an ox. And they uprooted a trough from which an animal eats. They took away the idea that they murdered human beings because that would make the Jewish people sound murderous and homicidal and very bad. When it talks about Moshe Rabbeinu going to Egypt, it says he took his wife and his sons. Really, it's Allah Chamor on a donkey, but they put on a carrier of humans. Why? Because a donkey is considered a low-class way of traveling. And so well, they didn't want to write that he took a donkey because it would sound like he was a very low-level person, that all he had was a donkey to ride on instead of some more distinguished kind of vehicle of transportation. One of the most famous difficulties in the, in the Torah is that it said that the Jewish people lived in Mitzrayim for 400 years, but that couldn't possibly be true because among those who came down from Mitzrayim, the, between the time that they came down to Mitzrayim, that Yaakov and his children came down to Mitzrayim, and the, exit from, and the exodus from Egypt, there were, it was only a few generations. It, was only, it, w- it wasn't long enough to be 400 years. There's no way it could be 400 years, more closer to like 200 years. So therefore, um, they changed the Pasuk to say the amount of time that the Jewish people dwelled in Mitzrayim and Ubishar Aratzot in other lands was Abba Me'ot Shana, was 400 years, and that includes all the way from the time that Hashem told uh, Avraham made the Brit Ben-Abitarim with Avraham, the covenant with Avraham Avinu about the birth of Yitzchak all the way to Yitzchak time. That was 400 years. But, not, but that's including a lot more time than just from the descent of Yaakov to Egypt, which wouldn't be enough. Vayishlach et Zatibnei. So when it talks about Moshe Rabbeinu sent 
um, young men to offer sacrifices at Har Sinai, they changed the word to Zatute. Zatute means distinguished. Nare, it sounds like he sent kids. It's disrespectful to Hashem. So they wanted to make it sound more chashuv, more respectable. That Hashem did not send out his hand against the Atzilei B'nei the nobles. He changed that to Zatute too. So that way, Zatute means chashuv, means important. So that way they made it match the language of the later and the earlier pasuk. Both said noble people instead of... Um, Instead of saying uh, noble people at, in the incident where they gazed upon the vision of Hashem and it says Hashem did not destroy them um, and th- they matched the language there with the language of the people who went to offer sacrifices, the young boys. They don't want to make it sound like Moshe Rabbeinu said young boys. Why did they use Zatote? Why didn't they take Atzilei is already written, Atzilei for noble people is written already in the incident in the end of Parashat Mishpatim where the noble elders see a vision of God that's considered bad and it says Hashem didn't punish them. Why didn't they use the word Atzilei also for the kids who went to offer the sacrifices? So one explanation in the Tosafot is that Zatute has both implications. It could be interpreted as um, youth, young, inexperienced, and lowly, or as noble. So this way they're less deviating from the sense of the Pasuk of Na'are, which definitely doesn't mean noble. They didn't want it to sound like Hash- that Moshe Rabbeinu sent people who were not chashuv, uh, uh, who were not important. So they changed it, but they changed it to a word that has both meanings, both the meaning of noble and possibly the meaning of innoble. So that way it wouldn't be taken the raw, they wouldn't be deviating as much from the literal meaning of the Pasuk in their translation, even as they were changing things. And then when Moshe Rabbeinu is, conf- is confronted with the Adat Korach, he says... I didn't take a single donkey from them. They change it to I didn't take a single uh, I didn't it, it, he said I didn't take a single donkey in reality. They change it to not a single desirable thing. Um, and then and so uh, they did that in order to change it so it doesn't sound like oh I only didn't take um uh, I only didn't take uh, uh, donkeys, but I took other things, right? So, Asher Chalak Hashem Eloechat Ota. It says that Hashem, that you shouldn't bow to the, uh, uh, to the uh, heavenly bodies. Asher Chalak Hashem Eloechat Otam Lechol Amim. That Hashem uh, apportioned to all the nations of the world. It sounds like he apportioned them to the nations of the world that they should serve the heavenly bodies. So that's why they inserted the word Le'air Lechol Amim. That Hashem spread out the heavenly bodies to provide light for everyone. Not to suggest that that non-Jews are allowed to worship the heavenly bodies because that's what it would sound like. Oh, you shouldn't worship the heavenly bodies that I placed for the nations as if, as if Hashem is allowing them to worship the heavenly bodies. No, that's not what it means. It means that um, Hashem placed them there to provide light. It says in the Pasuk that they, they went and served other gods. That it's talking about how the, uh, that in the future the Jewish people will go and they will serve other gods. And it says that, uh, uh, that it, or, or a person will go and serve other gods and uh, think that he's going to be exempt from the judgment of Hashem. It says, uh, in that case, um, uh, in, or it, it, it's in actually in the beginning of uh, Parashat Shoftim. It's talking about you know the judgment against an idolater who goes and he, he worships uh, idols. So um, so it says Asherot Tziviti. He went and worshipped other gods that I didn't command. Meaning, it sounds like I didn't command. Meaning that these gods came into existence against the will of God. So that's why it says no Asherot Tziviti Le'ovdam. 
they changed in the translation so that it says, I didn't command anyone to worship them. Not that I didn't command them to exist, because obviously whatever's being worshipped, Hashem commanded to exist because Hashem created everything. But, uh, but He didn't command or allow us to worship them. When it mentioned the animal that is prohibited to eat, which is called the Arnevet, they changed it to the short-legged animal. Why? Because the wife of Talmai, his, her name was Arnevet. So he didn't take offense and say, they're making fun of me. And they put the name of my wife in the Torah to make fun of me. So therefore they changed the name of that animal. Rabban Gamliel said, even with Sifrei Torah, they only allowed them to write it in Greek. Amar Rabbi Yabam, Rabbi Yochanan, Halacha Rabban Shem Rabban Gamliel, Halacha follows Rabban Shem Ben Gamliel, Vamar Rabbi Yochanan, and Rabbi Yochanan furthermore said, and according to the side, it should according to the Bach, it should say, Avam Rabbi Yabau, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, said, Maita Adar Rabban Shem Rabban Gamliel. What's the reasoning of Rabban Shem Rabban Gamliel? Amar Kai Yafter Luhim Liyefet Vishkon Be'Avul Hashem. It says Hashem will expand Yefet. And he will dwell in the tents of Shem. The words of Yefet, from whom uh, the son of Noach, from whom the Greeks descended, they will be in the tents of Shem. How do you know it's not the language of Gomer and Magog? That's why it says Yaft instead of another language for expansion, use the word Yaft, to say Yafuto Shel Yefet, meaning the Yofi, the Yofuto Shel Yefet. The beauty of Yefet, Yeba Oleshem, will be in the tents of Shem. In other words, the beauty, the Greek language, the beauty of the Greek language um, could be imported into the tents of Shem would be a meaning that we could use that beautiful language to write the uh, Torah. And um, so that's the halacha. The halacha is that you could write a Sefer Torah in Greek. However, the Rambam says that was talking about the ancient Greek that was very beautiful, not the corrupted modern Greek that doesn't have the same uh, nobility and uh, high level of expression as the ancient Greek. Now the Mishnah says, There is no difference between a Kohen who received, was anointed with the oil, which was only up to the days of Yoshiau when they hid the oil away, and even during Bait Rishon, the later Kohanim Dolim did not have it, uh, for a, a bit between that and a Kohen Gadol who serves with the eight garments and is installed just by putting on the eight garments without have, being anointed the only difference is that he doesn't bring the Parabal Kol Mitzvot which we learn in Masachat Horayot when the Kohen Gadol makes a ruling for himself and follows it and it turns out to be erroneous he made a mistake so then he has to bring a special bull as a Korban Chatat that's uh, unique to the Kohen Gadol that is brought only by a Kohen who was anointed with the Shem and the Mishcha not with a Kohen who had the who wears only the eight Begadim which means during the time of Bayt you would never have it because there was never any anointing of Kohanim Dolim during that time. There's no difference between the active Kohen Gadol and the Kohen Gadol who Avar, who passed. Except for the Yom Kippur offering that the, um, there's a bull that the, uh, that the um, Kohen Gadol himself brings on Yom Kippur which represents him and all the Kohanim. Obviously a Kohen Gadol who's retired and still alive is not going to bring an extra par on the day of Yom Kippur. And also the Asiri Taifa, the tenth of an Ifa offering that the Kohen Gadol brings every single day in the Bet HaMikdash is only brought by the active Kohen Gadol, not by the Kohen Gadol She'avar. Now Kohen Gadol She'avar means that this Kohen Gadol retired or for whatever reason stopped serving and somebody else took over, but he doesn't lose his Kedushav Kehunag Dola as a result of the fact that he's not serving actively anymore. Now the point is, according that the first two categories of Kohen Gadol, the one who is anointed and the one who is doesn't have the anointing oil, so is just installed by wearing the eight garments, the only difference between them is that the, is that Parabal Kola Mitzvot, that the Kohen Gadol would never bring uh, a special power, a special 
uh, offering for doing a sin like the way a Kohen Gadol is supposed to if he's an anointed Kohen Gadol. But in, with respect to the Par Yom Kippurim, the whole Avodav Yom Kippur, which involves a bull being brought by the Kohen Gadol and the tenth of an Efa offering it's brought every single day from, uh, from the Kohen Gadol, that whether the Kohen Gadol was installed with uh, Shemana Mishcha by being anointed or he was installed by wearing the Gadim, in both cases he would bring those offerings. Uh, and our Mishnah doesn't follow Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir Atanya, because we learned in a bright that according to Rabbi Meir, according to Rabbi Meir, if a Kohen Gadol, who is a fully installed Kohen Gadol, but never was anointed with the special oil, he was only installed by wearing the eight garments, that Kohen Gadol does bring the special power, the special Korban, if he makes a mistaken ruling and follows it and sins in that way, he does bring uh, that special Korban, and the Chachamim say no, what's Rabbi Meir's reasoning, the Tana will end in a bite, the Mashiach, it says the Kohen Mashiach, the anointed Kohen Gadol is supposed to bring it, but that, but in the Elam Mashiach, that implies that only one who is anointed with the, uh, with the special oil is considered a Kohen Gadol with respect to that special sin offering, but how do we know that even if he was installed only by wearing the eight garments, he still can bring that special sin offering, because it says, Ha-Mashiach, meaning the hay, the extra hay comes to include even somebody who is installed by wearing the garments. So you're saying our Mishnah doesn't follow Rabbi Meir, obviously, because it doesn't. So what about the end? What about the fact that it says there's no difference between the active Kohen Gadol and a Kohen Gadol who's no longer serving, except for the service of Yom Kippur, that obviously only the active Kohen Gadol does, and the daily offering in the Bet HaMikdash of the Kohen Gadol, which only the active Kohen Gadol does. Implying that in every other respect, such as they have to Marry virgins. They are they are not allowed to become tamei for any of their relatives. All of the restrictions and requirements of Kohen Gadol, besides that, apply equally to them, right? Atan Rabbi Meir, but that is Rabbi Meir's opinion. The Tanya we learned in a brayta Irabo Psul because it says if the Kohen Gadol became pasul minu Kohen Achirachtav, we shon chazel avodatosh and it comes to Kohen Gadol alav. Rabbi Meir, that if they if they a, an invalidation emerges in the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur and they have to put a substitute in, so the substitute finishes everything off. But the, uh, the, the Kohen that is, the Kohen Gadol who, um, had an invalidation and had to step aside still has all the mitzvot of Kionag Dola on him. Implying that even on Yom Kippur he would have to bring that korban of the bull, and even on Yom Kippur he would have to bring the Asirit Taifa, the tenth of an Eifa, every day, not just on Yom Kippur, and every day he would have to bring it. Meaning all of the mitzvot of Kionag Dola still apply to the Kohen Gadol who is retired. Or even if he was retired against his will because he had some invalidation that emerged, right? Rabbi Yosei Omer, Rishon, Chozer Lavodato. The first Kohen can go back to his service. Sheni, meaning the Kohen who was serving um, and became, uh, became invalid for whatever reason. Um, and uh, eventually the original one can come back, right? The second one it stays as a Kohen Gadol even though he's not serving anymore. He's equally a Kohen Gadol. According to Rabbi Yossi, no. The first original one returns to his service. The second one who stood in for him can never be a Kohen Gadol or a regular Kohen again. It happened with Rabbi Yosef ben Ulam from Tzipori. That it happened on Yom Kippur. The Kohen Gadol became invalidated. And they, they appointed him in place of the Kohen Gadol, he had the cover for him, and the Chachamim said, the original Kohen Gadol, who became Pasul and Rosh on Yom Kippur, can now return to his job, now that he's not Pasul anymore. The, the one who substituted on that day, 
could not can no longer be not a Kohen Gadol and not a regular Kohen anymore. What's the reasoning? Because Kohen Gadol Mishum Eva. He can't go and throw his weight around and serve as Kohen Gadol because there will be resentment between the original Kohen Gadol and the substitute that is edging in on his job. When it comes to a regular coin, he can't serve as a regular coin because you can, once you go up in holiness, you can't go down again. So what do you see? You see that, uh, that, that our Mishnah is following Rabbi Meir because our Mishnah is implying that uh, the Kohen Mishamesh and the Kohen Sheavar are the same in every respect. Um, uh, except for the, the Yom Kippur par and the uh, Efa that's brought every day by the Kohen Gadol. I made a mistake and I said that, uh, and I said that no, the, the, the Kohen that uh, retires would also bring that. I, that was a, a, just an error. Uh, I meant to say that he wouldn't bring that, meaning that the, the second Kohen, the substitute Kohen, uh, or the, the Kohen who temporarily served this Kohen Gadol would not bring those offerings of, of the power of Yom Kippur and the Asiri Taifa every day that only the act of Kohen Gadol brings. But the point is, our Mishnah says that in every other respect, the Kohen Gadol that substituted even temporarily would continue with, uh, with in every other respect as Kohen Gadol. And if he wants to serve, he can serve as Kohen Gadol whenever he wants. That's Rabbi Meir's opinion. Because Rabbi Yossi's opinion is that, uh, and the Chachamim apparently agreed, that once somebody serves as Kohen Gadol temporarily, and then they step aside, they let the original Kohen Gadol go back, and they can't do anything of what the Kohen Gadol does. They can't serve in any capacity anymore. So that's not our Mishnah. So you see from there, the beginning of our Mishnah doesn't follow Rabbi Meir because it says that a Kohen Gadol that is only installed by wearing the eight garments but not by anointed oil, is not anointed by oil, does not bring the special sin offering if he makes a mistake. Rabbi Meir says he does. The Chachamim say he doesn't. So that rejects Rabbi Meir. But the second half where it says that the Kohen Gadol, substitute Kohen Gadol, that can act in every way like a Kohen Gadol except for bringing the power of Yom Kippur and except for bringing the daily Asigrita Ifav, the Kohen Gadol, that is Rabbi Meir who says that because according to Rabbi Yossi and the Chachamim, uh, there wouldn't be any, um, there, there wouldn't be any uh, uh, role for a Kohen Gadol who temporarily served because he can't go back to being a regular Kohen and he can't continue as a Kohen Gadol. You're right. The first halacha represents the view of the rabbis against Rabbi Meir. The second halacha represents Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yosef says it was Rabbi he was the one who wrote the Mishnah and he combined the opinions of Tanaim. In other words, with regard to the Kohen Gadol who is anointed, who isn't anointed, who is only installed by the eight garments, Rabbi Yudanasi, who wrote the Mishnah, agreed with the Chachamim against Rabbi Meir that he shouldn't bring the special sin offering if he commits a sin that would normally require it. Uh, however, when it came to what happens to a Kohen Gadol who, who temporarily substitutes, there he agreed with Rabbi Meir that that Kohen Gadol should not be barred from any type of service. He should be allowed to uh, serve as Kohen Gadol whenever he wants, just on day, uh, things that can, there can only be one of, like the bull of, of uh, Yom Kippur or the uh, Asiri Taifa that's brought only once a day. You can't have two of them. So there the Kohen Gadol, substitute Kohen Gadol, cannot do that. But in any other respect, he would be treated just like a Kohen Gadol. And anytime he wanted to serve, he would serve in the eight Begadim from then on. Uh, because he substituted for the Kohen Gadol, even temporarily, he never fully loses that status.